All right. Welcome, race fans, to the first episode of the Canoe Race World podcast. In this podcast, we are going to be covering everything from race recaps to paddler interviews, all the way we're going to cover new trends in our sport of marathon canoe racing, along with different product development, sports nutrition, and uh, training trips, uh, tricks, and tips, anything that would be important to the marathon canoe racing paddler out there. Welcome to the show. My name is Kevin Olson. I am joined here with my co-host, Bill Mahaffey, um, and we are excited to start this journey with you guys. Figured this would be a good way to disseminate some uh, new information about the sport in an easy-to-digest format, kind of to add on to what we have uh, going on on CanoeRaceWorld.com. And uh, we're going to start by uh, talking with Bill a little bit, get a back, get some background on Bill. And then we have our Asable River Canoe Marathon Race recap we are going to do and an interview with Phil Millspaugh, one of the uh, paddlers who has a quite an interesting story for this race. So uh, welcome to the show, everyone. And uh, let's get started with Bill. Bill. How did you get started in canoe racing? I hear this is an interesting story. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Short short story is I uh, won a bunch of money in a poker match and bought my first racing canoe, kind of as a gag joke, sight unseen. Um, Got the thing uh, off the internet. It was a Winona Marathon Pro-Am. Really had no idea how to paddle a race boat, anything like that. Uh, my, my buddy Christian, it was always his kind of his lifelong dream to do the race, um, kept pestering me. He went out and bought the, the Zav paddles. They just showed up blind at my house one day. Um, and we paddled this boat and, uh, day, day one was on the lake. This was March of 2014, tons of ice still on the lake, but we, we stayed upright for about 15 minutes. Day two, uh, we did our hey, let's go to Camp 10, let's go paddle up to the mile cuts, paddle back down to the dam, and then paddle back to Camp 10 Bridge. Uh, wasn't even smart enough, no spray deck on the boat, no life jackets on the boat. If we'd have tipped in the middle of the mile, 38-degree water, we're toast right there. But we somehow miraculously kept this thing upright. Um, day three, peak runoff on the Asable. Immaculate conditioned Winona Marathon Pro-Am canoe. Um, I found this guy, or found this boat uh, somewhere on the East Coast. This guy had bought it, paddled it a handful of times, and just hung it in his barn ever since. Um, <laughs> we had an immaculate boat and just started bouncing off of everything. Uh, we, for our first we put the first hole in the boat, and when I say hole, I mean like an eight-inch gouge that went all the way through the core. At uh, just past Stefan Bridge, and then put two more in it by the time we hit Wakely and ended up hitchhiking from Wakely to McMaster's where our vehicle was spotted because the bait <laughs> did not keep up with the water in the boat. I've been hooked ever since, man. It's a great sport. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. So did you guys, uh, did you guys end up paddling uh, in 2014, the, the marathon? 
we got to uh, the end of June and made the decision not to marathon. Um, I, I told him all along, like, this thing is serious, right? I've lived in Grayling at that point since 2008. Uh, my dad's been here since the, the late 80s. I've, I've had a, a fairly decent amount of exposure to the athletes that are involved in this. Chris, we're, there's no way. Like, we're just two average Joes. It's not going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. We did our last Camp Ken run sometime the end of June, and we went from 10 rods to Camp Ken in like 620 or 625. And we're like, that that's too close. This is daylight. The, the river's going <laughs> to slow down. Like six and a half hours? No, we're, we're not going to make it. So we turned spikes into our marathon that year um, and, and had a really fun spikes. And actually didn't finish last for, for two guys that had no idea what we were doing. We were not last in 2014. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, that's that's it's interesting because your story, how you got into canoe racing, so different than uh, my story. Um, I am a generational paddler. Uh, my dad, and and it's funny because we, you find there's uh, canoe racing hubs, and one being in Michigan around you. And uh, one being in New York, centered around the General Clinton Canoe Regatta. And uh, my dad has finished that race 34 times. And he got me started in it. And I wanted to beat my brother when I was uh, eight years old because he had the youngest finish at nine years old. So I ended up doing 70 miles when I was eight to beat my, my, uh, my big brother. Um, and that's how I got started in the race. Yep. So, but that's the, that's like one of the great things about the sport is the, you know, the family aspect and, uh, um, it's truly can be a, a great family sport and, uh, it's a great community race. And I think that's what I see more out in the Michigan area more so than, uh, in New York even, um, which I think is also great to, to highlight for people that, you know, don't know what marathon canoe racing is. It's, um, Try to read, uh, look, you know, go to canoeraceworld.com and uh, look us up, and uh, you know, we'd we'd be more than glad to help you uh, start out if uh, if that's what you're looking to do. So, uh, so Bill, so that was back in 2014. Since then, what what do you consider your biggest accomplishment uh, that you've had so far? Uh, biggest accomplishment probably would be 2017 um i decided to bow the asabo river canoe marathon having never bow paddled before um and literally on race night 2017 in the marathon that was my eighth time ever in the bow of a racing canoe uh boy yeah, li- we, we literally put this thing together on a whim. Chris Hewitt took a, a huge gamble, and I was like, come on, man. I'm, I'm strong. I can do this. I've got a good stroke. Like, it can't be that hard to bow paddle. And, uh, yeah, we, we were running in the top 40 for the longest time until the seat broke in the, in the 17 marathon. But that was marathon night, time number eight, lifetime ever in the bow of a racing canoe. Yeah, that's – yeah. <laughs> but a seat breaks you can't really recover from that that's kind of hard so yeah I, yep 
in my first uh, marathon, we uh, we hit a, a fish hide about 45 minutes in and uh, went for, um, you know, another two hours. Our first pit was about two 240 in and uh, we were taking on a whole heap loads of water. So that was, uh, that was my introduction to the Sable where uh, <laughs> I had to pull out of the water and, and, you know, drop my, drop my shoulder and plow people over to get into the, get, get onto the bank and then take my repair kit and light my, uh, my eyebrows on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pour lighter fluid over the canoe and light it up and and singe my eyebrows and then uh, put some uh, gorilla tape back on the on the boat and back off. We we went and we uh, we did pretty good. So that was my introduction to that race. So uh, so I can imagine uh, breaking a seat is going to be a tough uh, a tough thing to recover f- from for you know the what you know probably. 10 hours you know 10 hours you had more or whatever we, we broke this thing in between mcmasters and parmalee and i didn't like i didn't know enough about the sport still even at that point to realize what had happened mm-hmm. um didn't find the seat until the next summer all i knew was i couldn't feel like my legs i couldn't rotate like something was very wrong yeah we hit, uh, so 17 we hit myo dam and that was the one year that my wife actually looked at me and went, I think I'm going to have to pull him out of the race because he can't even walk. Like something yeah. is really bad. But nah, yeah. We made it. It's all fun. All fun. It's all, it's all part of the sport. You know, it's uh, this is definitely not, you know, um, it's a sport that, you know, anyone can get into, um, but to compete at the highest level, it, it's still just as hard as any other uh, sport out there, and that's for sure. So why don't we, Bill, why don't we get into, let's talk about this year's Asabo. So we're only about a week post-race, so we are in prime marathon depression season, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think the marathon has the biggest depression of all the major races just because there's such a big lead up to this race with, uh, you know, all the PR that they do uh, by the race committee. And then you have the whole week, you know, what they call, you know, marathon week where everyone's in town and you have all the sprints going on and all that. So there's this big lead up. And then once you have once you do the race and that's, you know, huge and exhilarating. And then after that, that's why I think the, the post-marathon depression is truly one of those things that is a, is a real thing. But So why don't you, uh, since I wasn't there this year, why don't you give us a, a little breakdown of what the weather uh, conditions were like for the race? Yeah, so we, we actually had a really good race with a really good river to race on this year. Um, water conditions were up and up significantly. Uh, now the issue with them being up was that they were up to the level where they almost felt bad. It was that intermediate water. Um, mm-hmm. when the, when the water levels are low, good teams can pop a boat in the shallows, get the boat to run and do it with less effort than when the water levels are kind of in that intermediate suck area. Right. It wasn't actually high enough to be you know, blazingly fast high, even though it was a little faster water. Um, the, the atmosphere on race night was incredible this year. 
so we had scattered storms moving through the area beforehand. Um, when we got out on the river valley, the river valley itself was absolutely dynamic. Um, we had heat lightning all around. Uh, we had a beautiful moon, nice night, hot temperatures. Um, normally, this time of year, the temperatures can be cooler in the river valley at night. Um, you can portage Mayo and drop down um, into the river valley down there. It might only be 40 to 50 degrees down there. Not this year. This year was absolutely perfect as far as the temperatures go. Maybe even a little bit warm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Now, um, with this year's edition, there was uh, some big – yeah, you. I think you guys were lucky that the storms missed – the uh, start of the race, though, um, from the from <laughs> listening to the radio coverage uh, and uh, watching as mu- many uh, live feeds from Facebook and everything, um, that could have posed some uh, difficulties if the rains came in like five ten minutes prior, because it would have uh, really made the the yeah. Yep, you you are correct. It it would have made for an interesting situation. You know, if we get some some electrical action in the air, we're stopped for thirty minutes. Uh, yeah. In- yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, so let's uh, break down one of those. Uh, one of the things that so in the top of the race there was a. Quite some uh, interesting news. Probably uh, the most interesting is um, one of the more, more interesting ones was uh, the team of Trevor Lefevre and Ben Schlimmer. They ended up tipping twice. The second time they tipped, they lost all their food. So this, so from the story that Ben gave me when we were paddling this past week is basically they. Um, Tipped once, they got back in, didn't have too much issues. Uh, ben, th- I mean, uh, Trevor thought he may have um, tweaked his back a little bit at that point. They went through Wakely to get a feed, and then, like, right after Wakely, they tipped. And so how, how the story goes is he had his um, – he had his food in his lap and Trevor had his food in his lap. And, uh, I think Ben said, Trevor, you have the boat. And so Ben went to go put his food, you know, away. And that's when it happened. So, uh, you know, whatever happened, you know, Trevor had to thought he had to go, you know, but the boat tipped down to one side and, Um, he, it's hard to recover if you got two hours without food and drink. So, uh, since, uh, with that though, then they tried to, you know, hump back in at somewhere around the, uh, you know, in there, Trevor, uh, Trevor's back acted up. And by the time they pulled out, Trevor really couldn't do anything, um, anything else because of his back so it's very sad to see one of the top teams they came in second this year at the general clinton 
So uh, I was really thinking they've never done the Sable together. So it was really um, looking forward to see what they could do uh, to hopefully, you know, uh, keep uh, Andy and Steve at bay or uh, really uh, make an interesting uh, race at the top. So that was pretty interesting. Um, and another top team that uh, didn't have the race that, you know, I, I'm sure they wanted or anything of that nature was the Pellerins. Uh, we saw Jimmy and Matthew Pellerin drop out. Um, official listing on the marathon webpage is damage. I have not seen an official statement from them as to exactly what happened. Um, I would believe damage in that with the water levels, the way that they were a lot of the hazards of the ensemble that you can normally see at normal water levels were just a titch submerged, but still there in a dangerous manner. So I, I would have to believe they hit something and hit something hard for the Pellerins to actually drop out of this thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting because uh, on the radio coverage, and, and this is something that uh, a couple years ago, the um, I think it was uh, it was um, Jimmy and it was I don't think it was Jimmy and Matthew together. I think it was with their other brother. Um, they pulled out of that race too, and they were kind of preluding uh, on the um, radio broadcast that it may have been. Uh, motion sickness so but again if uh, i would i would take the official results over over what was uh you know <laughs> rumor on the, uh, on the radio. Yes, yeah. yeah speculating on the radio but you know that could have had something to do with it too they could have had uh, you know boat issues and you couple that with having some uh, other issues in there and it could have uh, easily been well, we're, you know, we just need to, <laughs> we need to call it before uh, it gets dangerous for them. So. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's, that's another top 10 team. That's another top 10 team that was, uh, was, was out quick. And that kind of leads us into our, um, you know, our next, you know, thing is uh, another uh, team that was riding in the top 10 was uh, Joe Schlimmer and uh, Phil Millspaw, who we have here. On uh, on the show today, and they uh, dropped out. Um, Joe had uh, some severe dehydration issues, and uh, that pushed uh, that team to have to bounce um, out of the race. But then wow. Phil ended up uh, finishing the race in the C one. So we're gonna get his story. Uh, here in a couple minutes. Um, so, uh, Bill, can you uh, run us down? What were the, the top 10 teams of the race this year? Yeah, top 10 teams this year went as follows. Um, one, we're going to start off with, with Trebold and Lejoie, right? A at number one, let's, let's just face the music. It's Andy and Steve's world, and the rest of us are just kind of living in it. Um, there hasn't been a more dominant team, you know, in, in my era of canoe racing and really who knows where they would stack up against the all-time greats other than if you had to put the names of the all-time greats in the fishbowl, they're there, right? They're that good. Oh, yeah. Um, Guy Blay and Sam Frejean came in second. Um, 
the Beast from Texas, Chris Eisendorf and Pete Mead uh, teamed up and took third, slightly behind uh, Guillaume and Sam. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike Davis, Shane McDowell with a solid fourth. Graham Smith, Matt Mearsman, fifth. Um, Wes Dean, the, the Dean Machine, taking sixth with Kyle Stonehouse. Uh, Eric Gagne and Serge Pagin, seventh. Walton and Willoughby, eighth. The Minars from Texas, ninth. And uh, Danny Paddle, Danny Paddle breaks the top ten with Matt Gabriel Jr. Nice, nice. Now, out of those, who who was the biggest uh, surprise uh, from your eyes that you that you saw? Uh, so so on the Asable one, Eisendorf um, and Mead in third. Uh, when I look at Eisendorf, I go, man, this is a guy that. It, if there's a year where Andy and Steve don't come back, um, if there's a year where something actually happens to them, he can win this thing. Uh, just his amount of raw power in every stroke and the, the way that he's built, this is a guy that's built to win the Asable River Canoe Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, floating further back, I thought Graham and Matt did a really nice job in fifth. Um, I, I did not have them quite that high. Um, they came in and just kind of quietly went about their business all week long. There wasn't a whole lot of fanfare around them building up to the marathon. And here they are fifth place. Right. Um, In sixth, you've got Wes Dean and Kyle Stonehouse. Um, These are two young guys that when you look at the future of the sport, you go, Hey, they could be there in a few years, right? Like if nothing happens and they continue to develop, they could be winning triple crown races. Yeah. Uh, really yeah. exciting stuff. Yeah, they've, got, they've definitely then, been coming up. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then you've got the, uh, the the miners coming up from Texas. Like nobody, um, nobody doesn't expect them to race well. But anytime you can top ten, this event is still a really nice, you know, cap, you know, feather in the cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then Danny Paddle and Matt Gabriel in tenth. Um, Danny's probably the hardest working kid in canoe racing, so for him to get his, you know, triple crown top ten, that's a pretty big moment. Yeah, I uh, uh, outside of the. Yeah, go ahead. I I said yeah. I would I would pretty much agree with that. I um. I expected the miners to be in the top 10. Um, and uh, I think that uh, Pete Mead and uh, Kyle Stonehouse are definitely, I saw them on the radar based on uh, uh, just watching uh, the racing results, watching uh, Kyle especially um, jump up pretty uh, significantly in the past uh, year and a half or so. Um, but the Chris, I, uh, I w- that was my big uh, – big one i did not have them up there um but that's just because i i didn't have enough exposure i knew of of chris but uh wasn't i don't think he's done enough uh triple crown races to uh but he's done the he's done the safari uh down in texas so that's one of those things that i'm i haven't been a big enough uh fan of that that particular race to really uh would have uh, put him on my radar per se. You know what I mean? So, yep, but, yep, totally. But what were you going to say? I was going to say, so he flew up um, and did a, we had a race uh, before the general Clinton, the battle on the boardman in Traverse city. 
And that was really his first exposure to the majority of us. And I can just remember sitting there with a group of guys going, holy, this dude's like the real deal. Like he, he could be it. Nicest guy you ever meet. Um, and, but he's just got it. So he'll be interesting one to, one to watch. Um, outside of the top 10, um, I, I don't know what I expected of Pellerin and Mangi. Um, I kind of figured that they would be a, a few places higher. Um, but really that rundown from 11th to 20th was kind of the, the usual players that I would say you kind of project in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. Cool. Cool. So, um, so that's basically, you know, the, a basic recap of, uh, the race. So let's now bring on, uh, Phil Millspa. So we can hear his uh, story of this race, because I think this is going to be some interesting stuff. Welcome to the show, Phil. Phil, can you hear us? Yep. Phil Millspaw, are you there? His, uh, his feed's been uh, kind of kicking in and out, so hopefully we can get him back on. Uh... Let's see if we can get him on the line. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now, Phil. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Yeah, it's been a little spotty. Yeah. So, so, uh, welcome to the show, Phil. Tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been racing? How did you get into canoe racing? A little bit of that background. So, I like to tell people I've been doing canoe races for about 20 years, but I've been racing for seven Um, I got into it. Uh, my dad and grandfather, uh, have done the Adirondack canoe classic four times together. And when I was five years old, I sat in the bottom of their canoe while they did the race. (laughs) And, and so when I felt like I was old enough, um, which actually 20 years ago this year, uh, turned to my friend and said, Hey, there's this race up in the Adirondacks. Do you want to do it? And two young kids with no real experience decided, yeah, let's show up and do a race with no training. And, and that was how we started. And so then bit by bit, seeing other races, um, seeing how other racers prepared, we were doing not necessarily things wrong, but we, uh, we were learning how to do things more right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, there's definitely uh, there's definitely room for improvement from uh, you see uh, new paddlers uh, putting the <laughs> putting the, using the paddle in the opposite direction, and uh, like you see a lot of stand up paddlers also do, and uh, or paddling on the on the same side all the time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's definitely uh, there's definitely things that could uh, you could see that you weren't you're still moving the boat, but you're just definitely not being nearly as efficient as you could be. Yeah. So uh, so once I graduated vet school, um, that's when I decided to try to take things more seriously. Um, moved up to Rochester, New York, and got in with uh, a training group. Uh, Holly Reynolds um, at the time Mark Gillespie was still racing and so they 
took me under their wing and really taught me what it is to truly race. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's been more and more addicting the more that I've learned. So it's, it's fun to be up in those, in those battles with, with some of those, like you said, elite athletes. Um, It doesn't really get any better than that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do a little shout out here to Dr. Phil Mills Paws YouTube channel. Um, cause this was some of my first exposure as I was trying to learn the sport. Um, if you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, you have to just kind of take a look at it. So yeah, if you want two and a half hours of staring at me paddling down the river face first, uh, yeah, go check that out. <laughs> some of us are sick like that. <laughs> I remember that's how I met Bill. He comes up to me and just goes, you're Phil Millspawn. Nice to meet you. I watch your videos. And I was like, oh, someone actually other than me watches those. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I, get, I get that all the time from, the, you know, my channel that I started, too. So um, that's, that's, that's pretty funny. Hey, Phil, tell us about being the, uh, the, the New York Marathon Canoe Racing Association president, uh, President Phil Millsbaugh. Phil, you still there? Looks like he may have dropped uh, out. We lose him again. So good. Uh, until we uh, until we get him back, I can tell you guys a little bit about Phil. Phil is a, a new father. So uh, for those of you guys that are um, uh, know me, I'm also a new father. So I think it's a interesting. Uh, Phil's uh, daughter was born about a month prior to mine, so I was uh, one of the questions we were, I was going to ask him is I think it's uh, interesting to see how new dads um, come, uh, you know, <laughs> can uh, juggle fatherhood and uh, yeah, you know, or parenting aspects, and yeah, you know, can you guys hear me now? Yep, we got you now. Yep, Phil. we can hear you. Hey, there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Phil, please, I was uh, just uh, talking about how you're uh, you're a new dad, and yeah, I was we... gonna ask you ask you how have things uh, changed since uh, since fatherhood with your with your in regards to your paddling. So definitely priorities change. So, um, not getting the hours that I'm used to getting, but. Uh, I like to think the quality of the training hours has improved. So take advantage of every little time that I get on the water and, and really train with a purpose. But, um, the number of races has decreased as well. I mean, like, you know, she was born. Ah, shoot. (laughs) Lose him again. I think so. Just straight cut out, but yeah, I think he might be at camp. Just, uh, you know, I think he might be at camp right now, so gotcha. that's probably why he's getting in and out. So well, it, it's interesting uh, that that came up, though. In that, um, you know, yesterday we were at a baby shower for Sean Bravant and uh, Crystal there, 
Um, and just sitting there looking around. And my kids are 9 and 13 at this point. And it is, Kevin, you're going through it now. Um, you're going to reach a rough stage where, hey, how do I balance that that time versus training level? How are you dealing with it? <laughs> I am uh, I am dealing with it. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough. I have. Uh, it's it, it's tough for me because I've always been very competitive in any, anything I've ever done, Bill. Okay. I've uh, I used to be a professional uh, natural bodybuilder, also. And back in my bodybuilding days, I would train twice a day and I would, I dieted one time for 30 weeks straight without missing a meal, without eating out for a meal um, to prepare for a bodybuilding contest. So when I am committed to something, I put my all into it. And for those that have known me in the canoe world, uh, they could see that I do that and it's been really hard because I can see my, I can see my potential where I can be um, in canoe racing, but I can't right now. I can't. I have my, you know, I, you know, you have to have uh, priorities in the right spot, and you know, my uh, my son Edward is, you know, going to be my top priority. So I try to get in as much training as possible, but it's just not going to be enough to. Um, bring me to my potential. So, um, so yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm actually doing the Adirondack Canoe Classic this year as the first um, big race of my year because uh, my son was born the day after the General Clinton this year, and uh, because of that, I just I was I was planning on doing the Sable this year, and I was planning to do the Clinton. And that kind of just uh, put a monkey wrench when uh, when we got the news on that. So, um, but yeah, I've never done the uh, Adirondack uh, Canoe Classic. So, I uh, I decided to uh, it was far enough away that I'd be able to get some decent training in uh, prior to it. And uh, so I get to uh, jump on board. I get to be the first time in a C four which is going to be interesting. Nice. So uh, are you doing it in a C4 with? I'm doing it in, uh, I'm going to be in the GRB uh, canoe. So uh, GRB sponsors me. And uh, so Gene Newman, who's uh, it's Gene and John who do uh, GB, G, uh, yep. boat works uh, canoes. And so it's going to be me, him, uh, Dave Thomas. And then, um, why can I not think of the um, – I can't think of the last guy's name right now. Uh, um, but he's actually – he's he's expecting a child too. And so he's uh, kind of uh, at a point where they're – I think they're about like three weeks prior um, to their due date. So uh, he's planned right now, but who – you know, you never know. Yeah, um, life happens. When you're that close. <laughs> well, it should be a fun oh, run wow. doing doing the ninety and a C four. That's a so you mentioned that a C four for the seventy is like actually on my list, man. If if the Newmans need somebody in that boat for the Clinton next year or something like that, um, I, I'm yeah. debating like maybe 
baking a cake and and shipping it down to the Barton clan, like, hey, can I get a ride in your boat in the C4 next year? Um, I, I think it'd be a blast. We should have a fun night. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh it should be it should be fun. Um, do you know anything about the Adirondack Canoe Classic, Bill? No, walk me through the race. I've I've read a little yeah. bit about it, but I've never did it. Yeah, so um, so it's basically it's a three mile a three day race. So it's a stage race, um, through the Adirondack, um, park, which is a h- enormous uh park, and it's extremely beautiful. And basically, it starts in Old Forge and it goes all the way through the lake chains and into um, all the way to Saranac Lake. So uh, the thing is, is they cap this race at 175 boats, and uh, they um, so you've actually gotten a lot of people that end up doing it C4 more than C2 and C1. So um, it's kind of a unique race in that aspect. And when you talk about the C4 race, they have also, um, they have also have a unlimited class. So in the Clinton, it's stock, if I'm not mistaken, um, for the C4. So, this unlimited class is a faster boat and that's like Gene's boat is designed specifically for the 90. Okay. And so it doesn't have sliding seats in the second and third row. So, um, because it can be narrow enough. So I, that's <laughs> when I talked to him cause I was going to do it in C2 and then he's like, um, he said he had a, a spot open on his boat and I'm like, ah, I've never been in a C4 and I don't know about sliding seats and, and all this. He goes, ah, we don't have sliding seats. And so I'm like, all right, I'm in. I'm in. Put, me in two, put me in three. Call me good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put me in coach. Yep. <laughs> so, um, uh, we just, we just got a uh, word from Phil that, uh, he didn't, he wasn't able to reconnect. So, we're uh, going to uh, have to kind of maybe get him on at a later time so we can talk about um, his uh, his Asable story. But um, thanks for being on, Phil, um, for, for what you could. Um, so, yeah, so with the inaugural uh, episode, Bill, is there anything else you uh, want to add to it? Not, not really. Just make sure to check out uh, check out the website when you get a chance. Uh, thanks to all our sponsors, uh, all our fans out there. Um, as far as racing coming up, uh, in Michigan we have the, uh, the the race up in the Sioux here in a couple weeks. And then we have the uh, Mayo First Dam Classic, uh, First Dam Challenge. And then obviously Labor Day weekend we go to – uh, the classic up and join again up in Quebec. Um, should be a, a really fun next 30 days or so worth of racing. Um, lots happening here in the River Valley. Um, sounds like you're gonna have a great time out at the 90. Um, anything else that we've got? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the only other race we got, uh, probably slated on the schedule too is uh, Wells Bridge Race. Um, so uh, that is uh, gonna be a pretty fun event they have a c2 race and a c1 race later in the day 
And the fun thing with that is that it's a team C1 race. So basically you race with, you race C2 with your partner and then you both race C1 and then you combined your times for overall fastest team of the day. Wow. So, um, so that should be fun. Uh, that's on uh, August 17th. And then uh, the Andorada Canoe Classic is the week after uh, Labor Day. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's what we got in New York, on New York side of the racing scene. So, um, and that's where I would like to um, leave the episode for the fans that have listened thus far. I think we're planning on doing this at least once a month would be my hope. Um, if we can put out more, uh, we will. Um, but I don't want to promise a weekly thing because both be, me and Bill like to train for canoe racing and we like to provide other content on the site. So um, is uh, I think that that would be the best that we're able to commit to to you guys. Um, and yeah, and we want to thank our sponsors, uh, Zavro Racing Equipment and GRB um, Newman Designs. And uh, thanks for your support, guys. And until next time, guys, we are paddle hard. Keep keep the round side down, everybody, and we'll talk to you again next month. Sounds good. All right. Bye.